Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. The title of my talk for you today is In the Middle of My lost in the middle of my loss. Let me pray for you and then you can have a seat. Father, I thank you for everybody who's here uh, this morning. I pray that you would take this moment and you'd speak into their life. If there be any burden on their mind, any weight on their soul, would you eliminate all distraction? And and for the next 25 minutes, God, I believe you are going to speak life into their hearts. Do it. Have your way. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. So good to have you here. So excited that you're with us in the middle of my lost. You know, uh, sometimes I feel like the stories in the Bible sometimes are so extreme that we have a hard time trying to relate and put ourselves in the story as God would have us. And by the way, in case you were wondering, that's why there are stories in the Bible. God kind of wants you to take yourself and put yourself in the, in, the, in the place of the main character so you can see how, you know, how it all works out. But this story is so kind of far-fetched. It's, it's hard for us to relate. I mean, raise your hand if your daddy left you a million dollars when he died, right? Like, not many of us can look at that story and be like, oh, yeah, an inheritance. I remember that happened to me last week. It was crazy. And uh, it doesn't happen. And so, and so, for, and so for fear of uh, you missing uh, the point, because uh, I don't think the point that Jesus is trying to make, I don't think the point that he wants you to relate to is the, the, the reality or the emotion of being rich. And very few of us uh, would define ourselves that way. But I do think there's a word at the very end of the story that he wants us to relate with. And it's not rich and it's not inheritance. I think the word that God would have you and I try to connect to this morning is the word lost. Now, I got to be careful when I say that, because I don't know you and you don't know me, and, and when I say that we should all connect to the word lost, I'm sure there's some defenses that go up, you know, like, who you calling lost? I just got here for the Disney tickets. Don't be coming with all that lost stuff to me, okay? And I, I get it. And so, and so here's what I'm going to do. To lower your defenses and to help you connect to the story, I'm going to share a personal, albeit embarrassing, story of myself, and then hopefully you'll be able to connect with me. Uh, and then we can all kind of just say, hey, you know what? I've been lost too. And so um, I remember uh, my first date with my wife, Liz. By the way, since everybody's new at church here, I'm going to do this. I'll probably do this every Sunday, though, just because I'm so proud of her. Uh, my wife is here today, Liz. Stand up and say hi to everybody. My wife, Liz. I know what you're thinking. And yes, I have no idea how that happened, okay? She is on another level. I'm not embarrassed. People say, you should be embarrassed when you say that. I'm like, I'm not embarrassed. I have married up. You know what I'm She should be embarrassed. I'm good. I'm good. Um, and so anyway, she was always better looking than me, always funnier than me, always smarter than me. And, and, uh, and I remember on our first date, uh, I was trying to impress her. And so I wanted to take her to this awesome spot uh, in Tampa called Channelside. The only problem is I had never been to Channelside. And so I told her, I said, hey, girl. I'm going to take you to this place I know. And by I know, I meant what somebody told me about. 
because I really didn't know it. And we got there, and we got there, and no lie, guys, the moment we got there, I, I, I didn't know where I was going. But it's our first date. It took a while. It took months to get that first date. I can't just be like, can you open up your phone and tell me, you know, I'm the man. I got to know where we're going. And so I told her, I said, uh, uh, we, we turned, and, and I made one turn trying to look for the aquarium. We was going to the aquarium. I made one turn, and I ended up on the, if you've ever been to Channel Side before, there's a trolley that goes, and there's a trolley-like road just for the trolley. I made a turn, and I ended up on the road with the trolley. And she looked at me. She said, do you know where you're going? I said, yeah. <laughs> so I kept on the trolley. I kept going. And then, on the, and then I saw a, a street, so then I turned right because I was like, I'm determined to get there. But when I turned right, I ended up turning the wrong way on a one-way street. She looked at me again. She said, my defenses are cracking at this point. She said, do you know where you're going? I said, it's a shortcut. <laughs> and I continue there. And then I made one more turn. Guys, it wouldn't be so funny if it wasn't true. I made one more turn. Guys, I ended up on a railroad track. <laughs> and now we're driving. Do, 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 do. And she's like, are you sure <laughs> that you know where you're going? And I'm just like, no. <laughs> at that point, at that point, there's just no pretending. I'm lost and I'm sorry. And, and it happens. But before you make fun of me, let me tell you, it happens to you too. I'm going to call out my fellas real quick. Guys, where you at? Raise your hand if you're a guy. Okay, raise your hand if you're a guy and you do, and someone else in your house does the grocery shopping. Raise your hand. You're a guy in your house, someone else does the grocery shopping, raise your hand. Okay, raise your hand if, if you're a guy, someone else does the grocery shopping, but every once in a while you get asked to do the grocery shopping. Okay, then you know what it's like to be lost, okay? <laughs> my God, my wife told me the other day, she said, can you go to the store and do some grocery shopping? I said, no, it's gonna take me forever. She said, no, it's gonna take you 20 minutes. I said, no, it's gonna take you 20 minutes. I went in there, looked at the list. First thing on the list was quinoa, quinoa. I am not gonna know where to find something I don't even know how to spell. Okay? You know what it's like to be in that supermarket for hours trying to find the thing that you should be so not so hard to find. And ladies, I'm sure you know what it's like to be lost too. Uh, you guys get lost shopping often as well, just not in the same way guys do. Um, my wife would say, let me go to the mall real quick. I just need to buy a pair of socks. Sock, okay. She goes in there for socks, comes out with 10 bags. <laughs> Talking about what happened. She said, what had happened was there was a it was a sale. <laughs> and I got lost. <laughs> and I got lost. But this last example is the one we probably all relate to, and it's the example of uh, how many people have ever tried to put together IKEA furniture. Yeah. The whole model of IKEA uh, is flawed, if you ask me. You get up there, and they show you a chair, and it looks awesome in the, in the kitchen or the auditorium that it's in or whatever. And then you take it home, and you don't even take the chair home. You take a box home. And then when you open the box, there's not a chair in the box. There's pieces in the box, and you got to build it. And then when you finally do build it, it don't look the same way that it does in your house than it looked at the showroom in Ikea. And, and, and I want to, and I want to launch pad off of that analogy sometimes uh, because there are times when I try to put together Ikea furniture, and I failed, and it didn't work. Uh, and I get upset because what I see in front of me doesn't match the picture on the box, and I get lost. And I feel like that's the best example because that example connects to this story of the prodigal son, the best, of the lost son. This young man has uh, lived a life 
this young man has, was, there were some expectations over his life. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was coming from an affluent family. He was probably well-educated. He probably wanted to start his own business. And he thought his life was going to go a certain way. But fast forward a few years, and, and catch this, because this is where you're going to start inserting yourself in the story. Because fast forward a few couple years, the life that he has doesn't match the life that he always thought he'd have. And I wonder if that's the point that God wants us to connect to the story. Not is there anybody in this place who's ever received an inheritance, but is there anybody in this place who ever woke up one morning, looked at your life and said to yourself, you know what, the life that I have, I don't know, I just saw it going differently. Maybe you're in your 50s and you thought you'd be retired by now. Maybe you're in your 40s and you thought you'd own a home by now. Maybe you're in your 30s and you thought you'd, uh, you'd, you'd be married by now. Or you're a single mom changing a diaper in the middle of the night and you thought, man, I thought there'd be somebody here with me to help me. Has anybody ever looked at their life at some point and said, hey, I, I wonder if this was what I was made for? I, I could have sworn when I was a kid and I thought about growing up that there'd be a dog and a fence and there'd be like food that smelled good in the house and, and I thought this would not be like this and I had these images of me, I had this picture of life. Listen, but the thing that I've built does not match the picture in my mind. What do you do when your expectations of life fail to meet, when reality fails to meet the expectations in your life? I think, I think that's a very frustrating place to be, and I think the story of the prodigal son, this guy right here, I think he, he relates to it the best and, and in one word summarizes how you feel. Verse 17 says, finally, finally. Like, like I, I turned and I turned and I turned and I couldn't find a way out. And finally, I just decided, you know what? I'm not where I want to be. It didn't happen after the famine. It didn't happen after he lost his money. It didn't happen even when he began starving. At the very bottom of the barrel, rock bottom, he has a finally moment. And I want to tell you, if you have not had a finally moment in life, you probably will. And that might, not be the, that might not be the worst news. That might not be bad news because you know what? On one hand, this is the worst moment in this young man's life. But on the other hand, it's also the most important and probably the best moment because if he hadn't got to that point, he'd have never got home. And I want to tell you, because I feel like there might be some people here today who maybe have experienced loss, who maybe gone through some tough things, and you're thinking, man, why? Where do I go? And, and let me just tell you, it might feel like the worst place, but it might just be the best place because you might have to get to that point before you can get to where God really wants you to go. Sometimes you got to experience loss to realize that you're lost. I remember when I was eight years old, first time I ever got lost, I was eight years old. My mom took me to uh, shopping with her. I, was, I lived in Brooklyn, New York, and we were shopping for, I don't know what, in Chinatown. And if you've ever been shopping in Chinatown uh, and, uh, and in Fifth Avenue, they had like, it was like a little section, it was kind of like Chinatown. And if you've ever been shopping on Fifth Avenue, back in the day, the stores were all connected. So you could be in one store and just in the store, go to the next store. You didn't have to go outside. And, uh, and we walked past the toy aisle, and I was at the toy aisle, and I grabbed this motorcycle, and I started kind of, it was a G.I. Joe uh, kind of run-by-itself motorcycle. You remember that when you were a kid? You, like, you pulled it back, and then you let go, and then it kind of went by itself. And I was playing with it, and I didn't notice my mom had left me. She had gone into the, into the next room. So I don't know, was I a bad kid or was she a bad mom? I don't know, bad mom, all right? <laughs> Although now that it comes to me, I probably shouldn't say that because she's our children's pastor and she's watching your kids right now. So, so, so she, uh, but here she, she got over that. She got over that. She's fine. So, so I'm, 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 I'm spinning it. I'm spinning it. And guess what happens? I go one more time. I pull it back and the thing, it breaks. And when it breaks, I was, I was raised a Christian, good Christian boy. I knew what to do. 
Well, that's my mom. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, I thought I, when I told the story, you'd be somewhere else. Um, uh, and I, uh, when it broke, when it, when, it, when it broke, I just put it back, and I <laughs> went to go look for my mom, but I couldn't find my mom, and I started to cry and cry and cry and cry. And, and the, the guy who owned the store, this Chinese guy comes out, and he's like, what is wrong? And I'm like, my mom, I don't know my mom is, I lost. And she, he takes me around the store, and he finds my mom, and my mom finds me, and we hug. And she's like, baby, you're okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. You know. And here's why I share that story. Here's why I share that story. Because I was lost way before I realized it. I was lost the moment my mom went into the next store. But until the toy broke, God had to break the toy. God had to break the thing that my life was about so that I could see and my eyes could open. I'm not where I want to be. And I wonder, for me, it was, and I'm grateful that I lost it. Let me just tell you, I'm grateful that I lost it. I'm grateful that it broke, because if not, I'd be running the toy shop in Chinatown right now, okay? So I'm grateful. Here's my question to you. That was my story. What had to happen in your life for God to open your eyes to maybe you're not where you want to be? Maybe there's some place better. What happened? Maybe it was when you graduated college. Some people graduate college, man, and they expect that when they graduate college, they're going to find like a, like a wife and a job. Like if they just hand that out with your diploma, like, if they're like, hey, congratulations, you made it. Take care of her. She's a good one. All right? She's going to bless you. All right. Congratulations, you know. But it's not, right? All of a sudden, reality doesn't match expectation. Because you graduate, you got this degree, but you got $30,000 in debt. You're single and no job. And then it's like, but, 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 but what happened? The picture on the box didn't match what you built. For some guys, it's when you get married and you thought that you and your wife were going to go on wild adventures and you guys were going to have sex every day. That toy broke real quick. <laughs> that toy broke real quick. All of a sudden, the expectations doesn't match the reality. And you're here thinking, did I marry the right person? Where do I go? What do I do? I'm lost. Or maybe you're a wife and you got married to this guy who brought you chocolate and flowers every day. You, that's what you were expecting when you got married. But now he don't bring you chocolate and flowers. Now he brings you dishes and laundry. And you ask yourself, what did I do? Where did I go? And let me just speak to the Christians, because there's probably Christians sitting back right now thinking, no, you go ahead. You let those people who don't know Jesus, you let them know. But what happens when your Bible breaks? What happens when church breaks? What happens when religion breaks? And all the things that they told you growing up in church, all of a sudden you try to implement that in your life, and none of it actually happens. And you start to wonder if God is even real. It's a dangerous, scary place when you lose your hope, when you lose your joy, when you lose your faith, when you lose your religion. But let me tell you, just because you lost it doesn't mean you can't find it again. What if? I've got good news for you. Listen, you need to pull hope from the man in this story. You need to pull hope from the man in this story because God used what he lost to show him he was lost. What if you need to change the way you look at your divorce? What if you need to change the way you look at that pink slip they handed you when you got laid off your job? What if you need to change the way you look at that failed investment or that empty bank account? Yeah, there might not be much there. And yeah, you might lost a lot. But what if God uses that to actually get you where he always wanted you to go? I'm trying to encourage you today. You might have experienced loss, but God could use that to get you where you want to go. And that's what you got to do. And that's what I want you to know. The first step to getting where God wants you to go in life is accepting that you're not where you want to be. 
Because it's easy to live in denial, you know. To accept that you're not where you want to be is to accept fault, is to accept some kind of mistake. And that's not easy. You know, going back to the Ikea example, it's much easier. You know, to accept the mistake would be you built the chair, the chair doesn't look like you thought the chair would look like, and then you tell your wife after you built the chair, you, know, I, 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 you accept it, you go, it's my bad. You know, there was a screw, you know, B was supposed to go into B, and I, and I put it into D, and I messed up. That takes some courage. That's it. But you know what? At least when I know the mistake, I can fix it. Here's the problem, and here's what most of us do. We don't accept the responsibility that we're the one that misplaced the screw. We blame it on the manufacturer. I'm preaching now. I said we blame it on the manufacturer. We look at the manufacturer and say, you didn't give me all the pieces I needed to build this. And you were lifting out some stuff. And it was supposed to look like it wasn't the box. But when I opened it, all the pieces came out. And it didn't look like it wasn't the, and it's your fault. But you know what Siri taught me one day? Let me get my phone. Can I get my phone real quick? Let me say what Siri taught me one day. Y'all know Siri, right? Siri is the computer that lives on your, on your iPhone. I was, I, was, I was out one day, and I was trying to get home. And I started, and I opened up my app and my, my, my maps, my map app. I opened it up, and I, and I tried to uh, put in home. I said, home, nothing. I said, home, nothing. I said, home, said nothing. I said, dang it, Siri. And so I was like, I want to talk to the boss. So I said, sorry, I'm busy. I said, don't be messing with me. I said, hey, Siri. Hi. Take me home. I can help you find a place if you turn on location services. Go to location services settings and turn it on. Then scroll to Siri and dictation and allow location access. I don't know how I did it but I somehow turned location services off in my phone. Do you know what location services is? Locations is the way the satellite uh, communicates to your, I, your iPhone or your iPad or your, or your phone to, to, to be able to see where you're starting. And, and so here's the thing. I was screaming at my Siri, talking about, take me home, take me home, take me home. And Siri's like, hey, bro, I know how to take you home, but I can't take you home if you don't know where you're at. He's like, I know the destination. I know the destination. I know where home is because I put it in there. But if you don't input your location, if you don't accept where you are, you can never get to where you want to go. The first step to getting where you want to go in life is just admitting it. Man, I'm not where I want to be. And when you understand that you're not where you want to be and you stop blaming other people, all of a sudden something happens in your life. I don't know if you ever heard of the story of Adam and Eve, but Adam and Eve, you probably heard, they were the first man and woman ever made. And uh, they accidentally, well, not accidentally, they purposefully uh, grab a fruit and they eat a fruit. And as soon as they eat the fruit, they realize that they're naked and they go hiding behind some bushes. And God comes out. And you know what God's question is to Adam and Eve who are behind the bushes? Where are you? Can I tell you? He wasn't asking for their coordinates. He was saying, I can't heal what you hide. I can't. You got to let me know where you are if you want me to get you where you want to go. You got to input it. You got to accept it. I, I, I can take you home. I know where home is. I created you for home. But you got to be willing to input your location. Accept it, man. And, and, and it's hard to do that sometimes. We get into fights. I get into an argument about discussions. That's the Christian <laughs> terminology for arguments. Christians, we don't get into arguments, y'all. We have discussions. 
I got into a discussion with my wife. And it happens all the time. Who had the keys last? Who had the keys last? You had the keys last. You had the keys last. How about the remote? Who had the remote last? You had the remote last. You had the remote. It isn't until she provides like solid evidence that I agree. She's like, when did, it, when, when, did, when did it go missing? I'm like, she's like, I'm like, Thursday. She's like, I won't even hear on Thursday. <laughs> and, then, and then at that point, you just, there's evidence. You know, it's just, you either blame it on the kids or, you know, the devil or something. But I, at that point, I'm just like, I'm like, okay, okay. But I won't even admit that I lost it. I won't. And you won't either. What do you say? I didn't lose it. I misplaced it. And I used to think there was no difference between misplaced and lost, but there is. Lost is my fault. Misplaced is the item's fault. It's true. And you know how I know you believe that? Because right after you say, I misplaced it, you look at her, you look at him, and you say the craziest thing. Just the craziest thing. You know, sometimes we say crazy things. You say the crazy thing, you say, it'll turn up. Like if it's the key's job. To turn up. But, but here's the problem. When you project, when you project the blame on someone else or something else, you also give up or project the power to do anything about it. So it'll turn up because it's the key's responsibility to turn up. And it'll show up because it's, it's the remote's job to show up. But hear me, let, me, let me hear you. The key and the remote are not going to show up. You know why? Because your keys don't have legs. And neither does your joy, and neither does your dream, and neither does your destiny, and neither does your hope, and neither does your plan, and neither does your marriage, and neither does your job. You won't chase what you think is coming. I'm telling you this so that you can feel empowered to actually make a difference because once you understand that it's not, the, it's not their fault or it's not the object's fault or it's not that person or what that person did to you, that you are where you are partly because of some of the choices and decisions that you made, then all of a sudden you can actually make a difference. Let me make this practical for you. You don't go to bed at night wanting a divorce with your wife and waking up in the morning in love with her. You don't. You got to chase that. You got to make that thing happen. When you get up in the morning, see, the problem is, and I'm just going a little relationship rant for just a second, and then I'll come back. The problem is we want how the relationship started to, to be the same thing that keeps us going. So we fell in love. It just happened. But once you get married, the falling in love is not it anymore. Now it's chasing love. Now it's waking up every morning. Listen, you want to love your wife more? Wake up in the morning, make her breakfast. Massage her feet. You know, pour a glass of water. Give it to her. Clean the house. Do something because love is in action. And when you start to show her those things, when you start to understand I'm not where I want to be and to get where I want to go, I'm going to have to start doing some stuff. All of a sudden, things are going to change in your life. You don't go to sleep hating your job and then wake up loving your job. It ain't going to happen. Accept where you are, and then when you do that, you're empowered to make some differences. You study more. You work harder. You learn the history and the core values of your job. And then all of a sudden, your boss starts to notice that you're working with more energy. And then you get the promotion that pays the amount that makes you love your job. <laughs> you got to go chase it. Listen, and that's why you had to go through what you had to go through. So that God can take you to your finally moment. So God can take you to that place where you say, all right, I'm, I'm ready. 
I understand. I'm not, I don't like this life. And I saw the life that I, I envisioned when I was a kid, and it's not here no more. And, and I want this better life. And, and, and that's why God had to take that thing from you. That's why you experienced that loss. And, and I, don't even say, I wouldn't even say, God, take it. I, I just say, because a lot of people blame God because they say, well, if God's all-powerful, then, uh, then he, he, he does everything or he allows certain things. But you know what? There's a devil, too, who does a lot of damage to our lives and our souls. And so instead of saying God did it, did it or allowed it, I like to say sometimes the devil can turn for good. What God can turn for good what the devil meant for bad. And so when the devil tries to steal things from you, God doesn't just let that go. He can turn that into something that propels you forward into your life. And that's what he wants to do with you. Now, that is for anybody who, who, uh, who had their finally moment in the past. I want to take a second and speak to anybody who's going through their finally moment right now. Because here's what I believe. There are people in this place, I know of personally, people in this place who are in a situation in life right now, they have no idea where to go, no idea where that exit sign is, no idea what to do. I want to speak to you. If you're in a finally moment right now, here's my first message to you. Listen, it's your finally moment, not your final moment. It's your finally moment and not your final moment. So I did some digging into the scripture and into the story, and, and I don't know if you are. Uh, I'm weird like that. Sometimes I, I, I just, I said, let me count the verses. I don't know why I did that. I said, I want to count the verses from the time the son left home to the time the son came back. And I counted the verses from the time the son left to the son came back. And there were 14 verses from the time the son left home, went through his crazy stuff, to the, to the verse when he comes back home and everything is, is all right and good and better than he ever expected. And then I went and I went to go look for the word finally, you know, that finally moment. And I said, where does that finally moment happen in this story? And I'm not great at math, but, but I thought, okay, 14, I looked, and it was the seventh verse of the 14 verses. And, 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 and arithmetic has never blessed my life so much. When I saw that, that it was number seven in 14, it was like, God whispered to my heart, and I want to share with you what God whispered to me. He said, listen, it might feel like the end of your story, but what feels like the end just might be the middle. What feels like the end of your story. I'm sure when that guy was there and he lost all the money and he wasn't healthy anymore and he was broke and he was feeding pigs and eating mud off the ground, he was probably thinking, this is it. It's over. It can't get no worse than this. There is no hope. I'm done. Start to count one. Two, three, just count it. But God sent me here to tell you that what seems like the end is actually just the middle. It's actually just the halfway point. It's the middle. And let me stand on that middle point real quick because the middle, it is in my title, so I should probably start talking about the middle. Uh, and in order to really get that, I'm going to need some help. And so um, I, just need, I just need two people uh, who, who can help me uh, on stage real quickly. If you have some courage and you don't mind coming up here, just two people who can, yeah, man, come on up. I appreciate that. Thank you. Appreciate the hop. Thank you for not killing yourself and someone else who can help me. Yes. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Hey, man. What's your name? Aaron. Aaron. Thanks so much for coming, man. I know you, Jonathan. All right. Jonathan, you're going to be the lost son. All right. You're going to be the father. All right. And I'm the, I'm the narrator. I'm Jesus. I'm telling the story. Okay. So, father, come over here. All right. Aaron is going to be the father. I'm going to just retell this story. We're going to close up and then, and then and hopefully you'll catch, I believe, what God wants to talk to us about when I say the middle. And so let's start the story over, okay? You're the lost son. Hey, we did this once, remember? I know, come on. All right, inside, anyway, come here. Okay, you're the lost son. This guy is the, is the father, and we read the story. Hug it out, hug it out. All right, good. We gotta make sure that the love is authentic. Not too much, not too much, all right. All right, and uh, so the story starts, all right, and, uh, and essentially, 
you know, he's a good dad, uh, but, but, uh, but you want to leave anyway. So that's just a note to parents. You can be the best parent in the world, and your kids are going to do what they want to do. Just, just encourage any parents that have kids that you think their kids are crazy and wondering if you messed up along the way. The father in the story was the perfect father, and, and, and he still decided to go. So just an encouragement to any parents that got crazy kids. Um, that's what I tell Liz about the boys. I'm like, we did our best. <laughs> well, come, may come, say la. <laughs> we did our best. And so, but for whatever reason, you want to leave, you want to do your own business, and so you start to walk away from God. Now, you stay right there, you're home. You walk away from God. And the Bible says, I need you to catch this. The Bible says it was a long journey. It's a long journey, long journey, long journey. So you're out here. Let's make it long. We'll go right to the edge where the light is so we don't lose people. So it's a long journey. And then while he's having this long journey, um, you know, he knows he has, he loses everything, he loses his money. About the same time he loses his money, there's a famine. About the same time he has the famine, he's starving. About the same time he's starving, he gets a job as a slave feeding pigs until finally, right? He has his finally moment. And let me just, let me just kind of uh, jump the gun here and just tell you, this is what I'm praying is, is going to be for some people here this morning, a finally moment. And so finally, the Bible says he turns around. And he says, uh, I'm going to head home. Can we show that verse? Arise, arise. I'll, I'll read it. Uh, it says, he has a speech. He says, Father, I have, he goes, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, verse 18, and I'm no longer to be whether you're called your son. Take me on as a higher servant. And he arose and came to his father. And he arose and came to his father. You know, let's come back to the father. Let's come back to the father. I like this yellow line because this yellow line is right in the middle. Now, here's the awesome thing about the story. The Bible says it was a long journey away. But when recounting the other half of the story, it doesn't say it was a long journey back. And I started to wonder, well, why is that? Why is it a long journey away and not a long journey back? Because the Bible says, Jesus said, while the sun was still a great way off, the Father. You, you see, you're always going to have to work to get away from God because this is where you were born to be. But you'll never have to work to get all the way back. You'll always have to work to get away. You always have to push and pull the love of God. But on the way back, you'll never have to make the trip alone because while he was still a great way off, the Bible says the father saw him. I just want you to do what the story says, all right? We're going to test your acting skills on now. Just don't hurt him because this gets pretty dramatic. While he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The kiss. All right, good. Good, 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 good. Stay right there. Be embracing, be embracing. Now, I need you to catch something about this embrace. I need you to catch something about this embrace, okay? Because there's something missing from the story. You know what's missing from the story? The son's speech. Did you catch that? The Bible didn't say that he spoke. He didn't say a thing. What am I trying to tell you? When the father was over here and he saw the son in the middle, the father didn't even care why the son had come. He was just glad that he was here. Can I tell you, God does not care why you're here today. He doesn't care what you have to say. He doesn't care if you're here to repent because you love me, because you don't love me. He loves you so much that you just showing up. It gets him just kind of just running, just being in this place before you say a word. Before you say a word, 
Some of y'all there singing, but I don't know the words, and I don't know, is that like a chant you say to get into God? I'm like, Allah, Father. And I don't know, what do I say? What do I say? And I just want you to know that this is an unconditional love that is not dependent even upon your words or your motivations or your where you are. He doesn't care what you say. He falls on them, and he loves them. And he loves them, my God. He didn't even care why he was there. He was just glad that he was there. Keep reading the story. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, I got to stop right there again. Was that his whole speech? It wasn't his whole speech. His speech was, Father, I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. Take me on as a hired servant. But before it gets to the take me on and the hired servant, the father cuts him off. He says, don't even, don't even. The moment he said, I am no longer worthy to be called your son, the father just looked at the son. It doesn't say it in the Bible, but we know it happened. He said, shut up. He said, don't you ever, ever, ever think that you're too far to be my son. You will always be my son. I will always love you. And now here's the best part. Here's the best part. And this was all going to come full circle. But the father said to his servants, bring out, just actually think, just do it. Just bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a, put a ring on his finger and put sandals on his feet. Here's, the, here's this, and then we can close. We'll call it a day, but you got to catch this. What I never saw, can we, yeah, let's read that. Father, I have sinned against heaven. But the, uh, so each item is important because the robe is, is the best robe. And so that means when you walk down the street with the robe, people know who you are. So, so his, his, his reputation was being restored. And then he gives him the ring. The ring is actually a symbol of authority. And so, and so now his job is being restored. And then he puts sandals on his feet. The only people who didn't wear sandals in Bible times were slaves. And so now his sonship was being restored. What, I, what I'm trying to, to teach you is not that God restores. It's where he does the restoring. Because the Bible says, bring out. Has, has the location changed yet? Talk to me. Has the location changed yet? That's why I needed to act this out in front of you so you could see it. There was the hug. There was the kiss. There was the confession. And mid-confession, he says, bring out the best robe. Bring it again. Next, next verse. And the sandals. And bring the fatted calf where? Here. And let's drink and be merry where? Here. Why do I tell you that? Because he wasn't even home yet. He's in the, wait, 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 because some people think God can't do anything in my life until I get here. God can't bless me. God can't move in me. My plan is on pause until I get home. So I guess I got to wait until everything in my life gets in order, until my kids are serving the Lord, until my job isn't back, and until my mind is clear, until I lose the addiction, until I give up my depression, until I lose my anxiety, then I'll get home. But God didn't do the restoring when he got home. God did the restoring in the middle. In the middle. In the middle. I got great news for you. 
We have a God who is powerful enough to restore you in the middle of whatever you're going through. In the middle of your divorce. In the middle of your bankruptcy. In the middle of your sickness. In the middle of your diagnosis. In the middle of your hospital visit. In the middle. In the middle of that family member who, died, who just passed away. In the middle. Right there there when you're messy and you're dirty and you don't think anybody else loves you or anybody else wants you God can restore you in the middle and so if there's anybody today who feels like they are in the middle of some stuff praise God hallelujah amen just hold on because the father just hold on right there. I don't know where I'm going. I'm stuck. I'm in the middle. I don't see no way out. Life ain't going to get any better. Just hold on because the Father is on his way to meet you where you couldn't go, to take you where you couldn't be, to heal you in ways no one else can heal you. He's on his way. He's going to grab you. Just hold on. Stay strong. He's not going to let you die. He's not going to let you down. He's not going to let you be embarrassed. He's running. He's running. He's running into your mess. He's running into your divorce. He's running into your bankruptcy. He's running into your cancer. He's running into your diabetes. He is running into it to meet you in the middle. In the middle. In the middle. Would you stand with me for a second as I close out the service? Went a little over today. Most of our worship experiences will be done by 11:45, but but I, I just want to tell you the story of how this church got named. For those who don't know, my wife and I were pregnant with our third child a year ago, and he passed away seven hours after being born. He died, went to heaven. It was the hardest time for me, and I remember being in the hospital room, man. And uh, just, like I knew all the Bible verses, you know? And I knew what to say. And people kept texting me Bible stuff, like I already knew all that. And I'm, in the, I'm in this room, just crying, crying, crying. Because as a dad, you know, as a dad, you're supposed to protect your kid. And I couldn't protect him because the thing that he was going through, I just couldn't do anything about it. And honey died. Uh, my wife and I were looking for a lot of answers searching and I just want to let you know I'm a testimony to the fact that God can meet you in the middle in the worst part in the ugliest part in the scariest part in the depressing part I remember that whole thing I told you guys about how good things can come out of bad things well I didn't tell you his name his name was Journey. Journey Joseph Vasquez. And uh, people started emailing us and, and calling us and saying, hey, I know your son passed away, but I want you to know I'm dying of cancer, but I believe God's going to heal me. Even though he didn't heal your son, God's going to heal me. I believe it. We had moms email us, text us, Facebook us, and we saw all this good and all this great that came in the middle of hardship and pain. And so we're here today because of someone's loss. 
You know, I'm not the only father to give up his son. There was one more father who gave up his son, who lost his son because the people he loved was lost. And that's Jesus Christ, who was the son of God, who died on a cross so that you and I could have hope and restoration. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.